Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I'm your host, Kyle Pagan. And summer is officially over. You're probably sitting in your cube right now listening to us. Your spirits are down. You're sunburnt. You're hungover from a long weekend. Probably a little dehydrated. You don't want to do any of the TPS reports that you you just held off for the rest of the summer. But the good news is... Football is back. Football is back to quell the fears. Don't worry about that escaped murderer running around Chester County. That means nothing right now because we have birds minus three and a half on Sunday. Let's bring in Kevin Kincaid. Did you see the memo on this? We're putting the new cover sheets on all TPS reports. We'll make sure you got the memo about that. How you feeling? Football's back. Feeling great, you ready? Man. Are you ready for football? Because you you go through the ringer on football. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes the emotions get the best of you, but sometimes you're also, you know, you know what? I got to step back right now. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm you ready. ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I think, you know what? Like, I think we, uh, we made a concerted effort not to really get too much into the training camp stuff this year. You know, we didn't do a lot of, uh, you know, Here's updates from camp, live updates. Uh, you know, we didn't we didn't really sh- share Elliot's uh, stats or anything like that. You know, we kind of like kept it to any other topic we could talk about. But you now, but now it's here, man. It's fo- it's his football week, week one, right? And and you go you go week zero into week one of college football. You get those two weeks now before, uh, you know, before the NFL. So you kind of wet your appetite a little bit. I watched TCU. I watched Coach Prime pull off the upset the other day i watched uh penn state and west virginia so i'm like i'm in football i'm very satisfied with the uh with the ramping you know how you ramp up for the, the players ramp up for the season like like we kind of ramp up for it too because we're about to be knee deep in in shit you know so you got to kind of ease your way into it you know if you're if your car with its gas gauge right now where are you full right now or, or are you like halfway like are you putting 20 dollars into the tank you put 40 dollars in the tank are you going the whole kit and caboodle and you're going 50 maybe 65 to get the tank full like where are you at right now no no my personal tank never gets to 100 anyway like when you have two little kids the tank only ever fills up to like 70 percent. you have the best night's sleep ever and it gets to like 65 70 or something so i'm, I'm gonna do i'm gonna do my best i think to pace myself this year my goal my commitment to myself is like a New Year's resolution. I'm going to try to stay off Twitter as much as possible for this. Um, I don't think you could pace yourself. I don't think you can during an Eagle season. You cannot pace yourself because I know me right now. I'm just all over the place right now. I've had my week zero. I've had my college football one. I've done my duty. I've pissed off the stupid Penn State fans that don't tip. I've pissed off uh, other fans in San Francisco. Yeah, you got to be careful about that because we do have a lot of Penn State listeners. So. Then you know what? Be better. All right. Shout out to me for probably getting a bunch of bartenders the tips they rightfully deserved. I have eight years of research. Don't tell me like that was a take to drive callers or to drive interactions or to drive results. You're now, engagement farming. You're farming for engagement. I'm not farming for engagement. When I when I've done the studies, I've done everything for eight years. Temple fans, they tip well. Villanova fans, surprisingly, tip well using daddy's credit card. And then Penn State fans just suck they suck and it's not even like it's like a 10 percent or like an eight percent it was like 18 percent. but you could have got a couple more dollars for the 20 percent, or maybe a 15 percent here mm-hmm. when you're dealing with people for three hours you don't know the game of football you know you just really want that 20 percent tip when you're trying to pay rent that's enough mm-hmm. talking about penn state okay you want to talk about the eagles i want some predictions out of you for week yeah. one what are we going to go into maybe for the season give me something for the people yeah so uh funny you ask because i just posted uh 50 infallible eagles predictions for the 2023 season on the website my number one prediction is that people will complain about the defense i think that's uh gonna happen some point pretty soon and like we we kind of set the 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 landscape for that a couple of shows ago i think two weeks ago where we were saying look jonathan gannon's gone Bunch of dudes who are gone also, though. So any comparison really between this year's defense and last year's defense is going to be missing. Um, you know, I'm going to put the N slash A on. I'm going to say it's not applicable because, you know, it's the, the thought is that the defense is going to take a step back. Right. And then some of the, if you're a pro Gannon person, you can come out and say, well, see, Gannon wasn't so bad. However, they lost five dudes. So that's not – you can't connect those two things in either way. But I think it's going to be a little bit rough going. They're replacing both linebackers. They're replacing both safeties. And um, 
you know, they're, they've got some younger guys who are supposed to play big roles on the defensive line. So, I mean, I think that's going to be the main talking point, isn't it? Right. I mean, isn't that going to be the week one thing? Yeah. Defense, you know, they'll start slow week one. They will. That's what was to give it. Absolutely. You, Cause you know, you know, that bastard Bill Belichick has been game planning for this for like the last three months. It's going to figure out a way to take away something that hurts. is going to do, whether it's like the zone read or RPO game or mm-hmm. something. And it might be kind of a, you know, cagey first quarter, second quarter, whatever. And then, the, you know, and then the, you know, the Eagles talent will take over. But I I mean, rem- you remember last year, man. I mean, when they gave yeah. up 30 whatever points to the Lions and we were like, fuck, I mean, we're, here we go, I man. Mean, like, head first right into it, you know. But- Super Bowl season. They start off slow against, I want to say, Jacksonville. Then one of the, the seasons after the Super Bowl, start off slow against the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Start off slow against the Washington Commanders. I feel like we played them yeah. three years in a row, week one at one point. That was uh, weird, yeah. Good yeah. news is Riley Reif, I want to say, he's a starting tackle for the uh, the Patriots. He is out. He's on the uh, physically unable to perform list, so, or injured reserve, excuse me. So he's missing the first four games. So that'll right, be nice yeah. to see Former Son Reddick and, uh, yeah. and Nolan Smith Jr. get uh, get some shots at the quarterback maybe uh, sometime early. I'll, I'll, can yeah. I give you another prediction? Sure, sure. Fans will not do the wave when the card comes out for a player. Right, because it'll be a different kind of crowd. It'll be like the uh, the real season ticket holder, the the, the mongrels, you know, not the, the real like, ones, yeah, not the, not the uh, you know, give away the tickets to whoever will go and take them, you know. Um, yes, yeah, I, I've got some reservations defensively, but I mean the cornerbacks are two Pro Bowl worthy guys. You're returning a, a pro a Pro Bowler and a you know a Pro Bowl snub, arguably. And the defensive line is strong. I don't know if – I don't think Hassan Reddick's thumb is going to affect much of anything at all. I mean, th- you know, th- thumb's not going to, like, prevent him from getting off the line any quicker. It's not going to change his ability to bend around the corner. It's not going to change any of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. We'll see what he's wearing on his hand. He's not, I don't think he's going to have a big old club hand or whatever. Right? He should be able to tackle pretty easily. So um, I think he'll, he'll be fine. Nolan Smith, I do wonder if we're kind of – yeah, maybe elevating him a little bit too much in the preseason, setting unrealistic expectations. See the Jordan Davis of this year. What's that now? Is he the Jordan Davis of this year? Well, I, it's interesting enough because Jordan Davis was gonna. It was who I was gonna talk about next. I think Jalen Carter makes people completely forget about Jordan Davis. Um, and I, I think, and then the fact that the Eagles traded up to get him in the first round. I mean, I think Jalen Carter is gonna make make people forget about a lot. You know, but I think Milton Williams is going to have a good year too. I think the interior of that line is going to be really, really good. And say what you will about Nolan Smith, man. I mean, Josh Sweat is coming off a double-digit sack season. Brandon Graham still has something left in the tank. I mean, like they should have, they should have the best defensive line. Maybe the Niners outside of the Niners. I'm trying to think of anybody who's got a better one on paper. Um, so that's going to have to be a strength, man. Because linebacker play is going to be iffy. You know, and safety play is going to be iffy. I know people seem to believe in Reed Blankenship. Right now, but again, he's going into his first season as a as a like a bona fide starter. You know, I mean, losing both safeties, I think I honestly think losing Marcus Epps was a little bit of a bigger thing than than people realize. I mean, CJ GJ, of course, but you know, two positions they lost all everybody there. So um, you know, the D line is going to have to have to come to play. You know, I liked your last uh, your point on your article. We see a more angry, less goofy Nick Sirianni this year. Can you explain that? What your thought process? Yeah, well, I, I think like well, first of all, I think like the longer you do this, just the more crotchety and curmudgeonly you get. You're like you're the media stuff kind of wears on you a little bit, and you're kind of like you know that's we just want to fucking win, mm-hmm. you know? Like they got to like they got a mindset to get back to where they were last year. He's probably angry with how it, how it ended. You know, I think you're going to see a little bit of a turn. I think you're going to see some shorter answers in press conferences. I think you're going to see a more focused Nick Sirianni, um, more of the, more of the angry guy that we saw on the sidelines at times, or you remember that picture where it looked like he turned yellow, like he was mm-hmm. like, sick or whatever. Like he looked like he was jaundiced. jaundiced. And I think we're going to have an angry Sirianni there. Um, yeah, I just feel it. I feel it coming. Um, but yeah, and I don't. I don't think honestly, like with Brian Johnson, I don't really see. I think they're just going to pick up where they left off offensively. But I do. I do think it's going to be kind of the start of Jalen Hurts throwing the ball more, or at least starting that transition into becoming more of a pocket passer, more of a more of a like when Donovan had that shift, you know, early in his career where he ran it less and threw the ball more. So I think he's going. I think he's going to throw for four thousand yards. I do think he'll throw for four thousand yards. He's got the receivers to do it. I didn't even mention Dallas Goddard at all in that um, yeah. in that story at all. But he's got two Pro Bowl worthy receivers. What they're gonna do? What what they need to do is limit his running um, outside of the red zone. 
he still should run as much as he did in the red zone just because it's so damn effective. You know, but the, these are the predictions that that I have. Jalen Hurts will throw for 4,000 yards, up 300 from last year, threw for about 3,700. Um, I think he's only going to run for 500, 600. He ran for about 750, I want to say, last year. And I do think, again, he'll finish top three in the red zone in rushing attempts just because the QB sneak and the the rugby scrum is just so effective that you can't get away from that, you know. Um, I do wonder if it's going to – if we're going to, like, kind of – rubber band back and forth a little bit where fans are going to fans and media are going to be like, okay, they come out and say, you don't, don't run them as much as you did last year. And then the, like, it'll start to shift a little bit. Like, okay. Maybe you got to run them a little bit more. Yeah. And you kind of, kind of go back and forth until you find the, the sweet spot, you know, um, that's he, natural. he gets those stats that you're talking about and they go 11 and six. Where does he fall in the MVP conversation? Well, I mean, if they only go 11 and six, that would probably mean that they lose like a decent chunk of those games in the middle there against like other mm-hmm. MVP candidates, right? Um, Mahomes and Josh Allen and whomever else. Brock uh, Purdy. Yeah. yeah not, I don't think so. I'm not seeing that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he was there last year until the injury, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to consider too. That's with him. He did that last year without playing. Uh, you know, with those two games that Minshew played, so he would have thrown for four thousand. I mean, you you can extrapolate that data from last year, and he would have gotten there. So I think he'll get there this year as long as he stays healthy. But it's going to be kind of like a give and take. You know, it's to be like, does he need to? I, everybody was coming into this wanting him to not run the ball as much, but they're going to realize soon that like soon enough, and that's like that was a huge part of what they did. Yeah, last year. So you can't get away from it too much. So it's just finding the finding the balance there. You know? One more spicy one that I liked. Yeah. Shane Steichen's Colts won't be much better than Gannon's Cardinals. They will be lucky to win five games. Then right above that, you had Gannon will become the new Carson Wentz and Ben Simmons. Every dumb thing that happens in Arizona, obviously we've already yeah. seen it already, will result in mocking tweets from Eagles fans and media. That's a little spicy. I like that. I like. Well, that. It's, I mean, it's true. You know, it's like uh, you know Shane Steichen didn't do anything differently than Jonathan Gannon. It's just the reason it was a story because the Cardinals kind of flubbed the approach, right? I mean. Um, mm-hmm. Shane Steichen already had his uh, contract with uh, with Jim Irsay and the Colts by the time the uh, Super Bowl came out. And and the other reason is because the offense played well enough to win Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, and so nobody gives a shit, right? I mean, but if it was, you know, what if, um, you know, uh, the offense only scored one touchdown in the second half of the Super Bowl or something like that? Would people have said, well, you know, Steichen was distracted because he was looking for, if he was on Zillow looking for homes in the greater indianapolis area you know what i'm saying like that's the only difference between those those kinds of things and that's what drives me crazy I, here's what, what bothers me about the gannon stuff and maybe we can put it to bed forever but i like the week prior when he said we're gonna fucking gut these guys i mean everybody was on board oh yeah everybody was on board it's it's shocking that you see the video from last week about they got the fire in your gut and yeah. i say this the social media team for the cardinals they should all be getting pink slips today like they are doing him no service this year. Between <laughs> like, pew, like, pew, 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 and that just... and that one, they they need to just get them. They need to take a crash course with the Eagles uh, social media team and, uh, and and get together. But between that and then the we're gonna fucking gut these guys is just like that's a complete night and day of you know the Jonathan Gannon that I've come to know. Everybody was on right up here with it. Everybody was jumped right back on. Oh, yeah. it clicked for him. And then they fell right back off. You know, he, his defense went from knocking two quarterbacks out of the NFC championship, game, like legendary status kind of stuff to getting cooked in the second half of the Super Bowl. And that was enough to turn him into the next Carson Wentz and Ben Simmons. Yeah. You know? Wow. So rough. But that's what's good. You know, it's going to happen, man. It's like, it's like when Carson went to Indy, right? I mean, like the first interception he threw, like every single Eagles account put it right up there, you know? Yeah, and thank and thank God for Elon. We're gonna make so much money off of Jonathan Gannon stuff this year. It's gonna be amazing. I know we, <laughs> I know we kind of we're not exempt from that. I know we, but but we will not do it with like a, um, in a in a uh, sinister kind of way. You know, I mean, like people call it for what it is, but we were, again, I I don't think we were like even like super pro Gannon. We were just like, like just let's a little level. Real, let's frame the situation correctly. You know what I'm saying? And that's, yeah. I'm mentally preparing myself. Well. For that. Let's bring on our guest who knows all too well about what it's like to play in Philadelphia and, and be criticized and be loved and all this stuff. Let's bring on Todd Hermans. Todd. What's up, guys? How are you, buddy? 
Hold on, let me fix this. Oh, you're good. Yeah, we'll, yeah we're in the middle there. You look perfect. Thanks. How's okay. everything going? Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Former Eagles offensive lineman, franchise leader, most touchdown catches from a lineman. Boom. How about that? You can only have a couple stats. That's a good one to have. I that's guess. the kind of research we did, and that's actually how I wanted to open it today. You have three career receiving yards, but two touchdowns. That's insane. Pretty how solid, um, pretty solid percentages there. I got to know, like, how did Andy Reid find out you just have like pure soft hands that he was like, you know, what, we got to scheme something up for this guy. Well, uh, it's funny. I was asked this like a, a little bit ago, and I feel like when I first got to the Eagles, I was you know fairly immature. And uh, Andy was kind of like a a father away from home for me. And so, like, there was plenty of times that he got, like, really pissed off at me, right? Um, And, like, these little nuggets, like, this play, I feel like, was, like, a reward for being good almost, you know? Um, But I always considered myself a quasi-athletic offensive lineman. Um, But then once I got to the NFL, I realized that, you know, there's way farther better superior athletic offensive lineman than me. So I don't really know why I was that guy. I think he liked me. Um, yeah. I think so. But I never thought we were going to run it in a game. I thought it was just something they threw in practice to kind of like keep me happy and, you know, like a little reward. Like, hey, Todd gets to catch the ball in practice once in a while. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. remember when they like drew it up for you and you're like, oh, shit, like you actually want me to do this? Okay. Well, yeah, because so it was the heavy package, right? And you run so many – so many different plays out of that. Usually they're just dives or a naked uh, boot or something like that. Uh, it's usually running the ball though. Yeah. So they just wanted extra beef up there to kind of mash. Um, and uh, I remember when we went into the install and they were putting it up and I was like, I was like looking at the board, looking at the play. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, that's not a blocking symbol. That's like a, a route sent symbol. You know, it's like an arrow to like leak out and stuff. And then I think it must have been Marty was probably the OC at the time. And uh, he gets up and explains the plays or whatever. And he's like, you know, right here, big T, we're going to get you out there and lick it into the end zone. We're going to dart you right with the football. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, uh, all right, all right, I can do that. And, then, and here's the first one from uh, from Seattle. You were wide open. Yeah, well, see, Daryl Tapp had me in man coverage right there. And I knew that he had me in man. And I was like, there's no way that I'm ever going to let anybody take this glory from me. So if you watch closely, I just kind of sling him to the ground. I could have easily been called a hold or a penalty. But, yeah, he just kind of – funny thing is we ended up being on the same team a couple of years after that. Yeah. Did you <laughs> plan a celebration or is it always just spike the football when the big guy gets the touchdown? Oh, man, I had so many different celebrations planned in my head. But then, you know, you get in there and emotion takes over. And then all the other fat guys come and mob you and you really just don't have a chance to do much. <laughs> was that Leonard Weaver playing fullback in, the, in yeah, that? that was, he had like the huge shoulder pads still. Yeah, that was still when big shoulder pads were kind of popular for some some players. Linebackers and fullbacks had huge shoulder pads back then. Like, like Bill Romanowski had. I got rid of the neck roll at this point, and they were going just off of the size of the shoulder pads. <laughs> Did you respect guys more who just the bigger the neck roll or the bigger the shoulder pads? You're just like, yeah, I'm just glad he's on my team. Dude, if I saw a linebacker lining up on the other side and he had some massive neck roll or cowboy collar on, I was like, holy shit, this guy doesn't give a fuck. He's coming at my heart right now. You know, like he's going to put his head down and just come bust my chin open. <laughs> <laughs> the snot bubbles coming out of his nose. Yeah, he's just playing like a man possessed. But it's just it's so interesting, like your your journey to the Eagles, because like I, I'll be I'll be honest, I had one friend who loved to name the Eagles guys from college football, and you always came up because you were from Saginaw Valley State. He was like the rain man of like college, like where'd this guy go to college? Like Michael Vick, yeah. Virginia Tech. But then when Todd Harriman's always came up, he's like Saginaw Valley State. We're like, how the hell do you know where Todd Harriman's went to D2 Saginaw Valley? So how how right, did Will he, Kuiper didn't even know about it? Yeah, like so you were projected to be like a fifth or sixth rounder, and then the Eagles go up and get you in the fourth, trade three picks for you, which has to feel awesome. Like, did you do you remember because you weren't invited to the combine, but do you remember just impressing them during during uh pro day or like do you have some draft stories that you're like, yeah, I think the Eagles might be in on me? No, so the craziest thing about that is I don't remember ever talking to anybody from the Eagles up until the moment that they called me on the phone. And I think Tom Hackert was like, hey, Todd, you there? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, all right, I think we're going to trade up for you right here. Hang tight. And I was just like, Eagles. Cause in- and where, where, where were you? 
I was at my parents' house. So like leading up to that draft, since I didn't go to the combine, um, you know, they, I guess I got my pro day. I ran a pretty good 40 and, um, they used to give this IQ test called the Wonderlick, and I scored pretty well on it. And that all of a sudden made me like this, whoa, this guy's a genius. You know? <laughs> Shout out Saginaw Valley State. <laughs> right. And he ran a decent 40. Shout out my parents. They're both teachers. Um, uh, but anyway, that kind of like put me on the radar for a lot of guys because I was big and I had a brain. And so they were like, wow, well, what were his numbers at the combine? They're like, holy shit, he wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, um, my agent called me and he's like, hey, we got all these teams calling. They want to bring you in to do like a pre-draft visit. And I was like, oh, weird. And they're like, well, they always want to get eyes on you and, and see, since they couldn't see at the combine, see you move and stuff. And so I think I went to 14 cities in like 13 days or something like that leading up to the draft. Um, and you, you go around, you get poked and prodded. They take your blood. They have you do like all this mobility tests and stuff like that. Check your joints. And then you go around and talk to the coaches and, you know, I was, I was really green. I had no idea how everything worked. Um, and so I'll never forget like, uh, the Steelers, I was sitting with Russ Grimm, who was their line coach at the time. And he was like, he goes, I was, you know, we're just sitting there shooting shit, watching film. And he's like, man, I can't wait. I, I sure hope we get you. If you're there at the end of the second round, he goes, I bet my bass boat that we're going to take you. And I'm like, all right. Uh, all right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know? not knowing that coaches didn't have really shit to do with the draft at that point, you know? Um, so here I am, I'm like, I got that word. And then I think I went down to yeah Dallas and Tony Sperano. I was talking with him. He's like, yeah, he goes, we got to pick, I think late, late in the second, early in the third or something like that. And he was like, if you're there, man, I think we're going to nab you. We'd love to have you. Um, and so in my head, I'm like, you're second rounder, bro. And so I was like, that's one off a of first round. You're going to be living high off the hog, you know? And so in my mind, I kind of had myself placed as like, I know that I was like a fifth or sixth on most boards or something like that. But in my head, I was going in the second round. And so we went to my parents' house uh, for the draft. I had a bunch of my buddies come over from uh, my college football team. Um, and we just got a cake and barbecued and just had a great party and never heard my name called on day one. And then uh, a little depressed, but I was like, you know, there's still another day. Uh, um, so we ended up going down to the small town bar in Ravenna, uh, the Ravenna pub. I like that you yes. kept the drinking going. Like, you know, and we were in a depressed got, state, but we're going to go down to the bar. Today. I mean, <laughs> the next day when I got the phone call from the Eagles, we were all just laying around on the floor of my living room, half awake, half asleep, you know, just hung over like crazy. And uh, I got on the phone and then like, he was telling me, I think we're going to trade up for you. And he goes, all right, it just went through. He goes, uh, welcome to the Eagles. Hang on. I'll get you on the phone with, with, with big red. And so like all of a sudden I see, I hear my family all going nuts in the other room. And like, I look in there and I see it on the TV and Mel Kuyper's like, Oh, the heck, you know, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> and then Andy, like, welcome me to the team. Hope you're ready to get to work. We really like what we see and yada, yada. And then Juan hops on the phone. He's like, Hey, Todd. Juan Castillo was the O-line coach at that time, you know, and uh, he's a division two guy as well as I think a lot of people know his story. So he felt like there was this certain connection between me and him, which there was because we were like small school, you know, against all odds type, you know, whatever. And he got on the phone with me. He's like, hey, Todd, you ready to work, man? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right, let me let me talk to you for a minute. And so I went. I could barely hear everybody's partying, popping bottles and stuff. Now, you know, they, the hungover is gone for some reason. Everybody's starting to drink champagne. I remember he took me into the opposite room so that I could hear. And he started installing two and three jet, like right there on the phone, which was like slide protection. He's like, you know, Todd, so in two jet protection, our back is responsible for the front side backer. And I'm like. All right. And then he's like jumps from that and starts going to inside zone. And like, I was on the phone with him for probably 35 to 40 minutes, like installing offense right there. And I'm like, dude, I just want to go party, you know, like get off the phone. And uh, he was like, all right, well, we got plenty of time for that. You know, 40 minutes later, uh, he's like, welcome to the team. I can't wait to see you out here. And then that's, yeah. that's just kind of how that all. And then seven years later, you become your defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing he always told me when that happened was, uh, Hey, Todd, you know, I've always been a defensive guy. I was a linebacker. And so I was like, you know, oh, all right. Well, 
you and Andy think this is going to work. Let's let's roll with it. You know, Holy shit. we all. It's know true. That. He he was a. Uh, this is Wikipedia. I did not know this. San Antonio Gunslingers, right? In the US San Antonio Hotel. Gunslingers, 1984, Texas A&M University, Kingsville, uh, defensive line and linebackers, and then uh, some high school defensive coordinator and linebacker. So yeah, yes, yeah, that is true. He does come from a. Uh, Defense, from, the, from the coaching tree of the Texas Gunslingers or the San Antonio Gunslingers. Yeah, I think that was a USFL team that he actually played on. And then he coached it, you know, D2. Yeah. yeah. Well, from, from one from one uh, offensive line coach to the other, are you are you wearing a Jeff Stoutland t-shirt? Is that what I see there? Yeah, Stout University. Stout yeah. Guy. yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you what do you make of just how I feel like no other – what other NFL fan base knows all about the offensive line coach and loves the offensive line as much as the Eagles do and just like, I don't know, seems to appreciate, you know, what what happens up there. That feels like an outlier to me. I agree with you. I think a lot of that has to do with Andy's time being here. Um, I feel like he always plays precedent on the on the trenches, you know, O-line and D-line. Um, and, you know, when they were here, I think that – and, and they also put out some pretty good offensive lines. And I think that the fans can were able to just kind of see that that was important in, you know, one of the franchise's best head coaches that they've had and see how important that is. And then all the fans can kind of adapt to that. And they're like, okay, this is huge. Why don't we pay attention to these big guys? And, you know, then we can kind of get a feel for – it also helps, like, to think of how they're thinking in the offseason if you can understand what's important to the team. You know what I mean? Um but yeah, I, I think that the reason that I think it works in Philadelphia, other than Coach Reed kind of putting a, a, an importance on it, is O line is is a blue collar job. You know, there's nothing glorious about it, and you just show up with your lunch pail, ready to do work every day. And I feel like the people, of the city of Philadelphia, kind of relate to that. You know, because it's you know it's not pretty, it's not flashy, it's gritty, it's it's just you just got to get shit done. Yeah, and that's why Jason Kelsey is as popular as he is. I mean, in what other NFL city would that story have turned? Where, like, the most popular player on the team who just fits is, like, the center. I know I know you can pull these highlight reel clips of him pulling and getting downfield on screens and just clobbering guys. Yeah. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, center is just such a it's, – it's not yeah. a flashy yeah. position, you know? I mean, that just, like, continues to blow my mind, the fact that, like – He's as, as as popular as he is, and carved out this identity in Philadelphia. When football everywhere else is about skilled players and quarterbacks, and you know hitting the hitting the quarterback, sacking the quarterback. I just I, I can't. I sometimes I think about that and laugh that that Jason Kelsey and even and then Wayne Johnson selling Kelly Green jersey online or something the day they were selling or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's I, crazy. I don't know why yeah. though? Jason is just he's just people in Philadelphia hate a poser. You know, they don't like somebody that, that talks one way and acts another. And Jason is as genuine as a person as you'll ever find. Like he yeah. he is he's not sorry about the things he says, you know. Sometimes he has a little temper and he'll he'll realize like, okay, I should have calmed down there. But like he just is himself and I think that people love that and they don't think that there's anything like behind the smoke, you know. Yeah, it's not hard, man. It's not hard, which is why I always thought I'm curious your thoughts on this, because because like you had the Trey Turner standing ovation with the Phillies a couple weeks ago and you've had the Ben Simmons stuff and the Markel Fultz here thing recently. And there was this this thought for the longest time that like Philadelphia was this really hard place to play because the fans were unforgiving and whatnot. My argument is the complete opposite. I think Philly is the, like the easiest fucking place to play because all you have to do is go out and play as hard as you can and do what you're asked to do and give an effort. And I mean, like that, that you know, fans will understand that and give give you like this, um, you know, this unwavering loyalty right off the bat until until you lose it. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that the default now? Like you're, they're buying jerseys for guys that haven't even played a single game yet just because they're drafted. Right. right? So it's almost like I feel like the fans have moved a lot further to one side of the spectrum, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's tough to play in Philly. You, you can't. It's hard to play in Philly if you're thin skinned, um, but you don't want fans that are just going to love you no matter what. Like you want fans that will hold you accountable. Like these are all people that are paying money to come and watch you and like setting up their entire fall around your season. And as long as you can kind of realize, you know, the depths that football has here in Philadelphia, if you can realize that how important it is to some people and you don't make light of it, that 
then they'll love you. You know, show up, do your job. Um, don't lose a game. Just shrug it off and be like, well, whatever. There's another game coming this week. You know, um, I think that, yeah, I don't think it's it's hard to be liked in Philly. I think that it's hard to play in Philly if you have thin skin. Yeah. And then you, I mean, you played on some very, very interesting teams. Uh, I mean, you got drafted and you're already dealing with T.O. doing sit-ups in, in the driveway and everything. Then you had, obviously, the dream team, yeah. Sean Jackson, Chip Kelly years and stuff, McCoy, Cooper, all that stuff. It's just like, were you were you kind of just like, I don't know, is it just insane? Like, it, it, insane is probably not the right word. It's probably more like surreal. Surreal. Yeah. Oh, uh, like, yeah. I mean, at the at the time, because you never know what to expect. So when I first got drafted, um, I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to the Super Bowl. The Eagles are in the NFC Championship game every year. You know, they just went to the Super Bowl. Uh, we got Tio and Don. Um, you know, I got on the team. And, you know, that year we went six and 10, as you guys know, but um, not exactly what I was expecting. Uh, but my first game in the NFL, I think we were down in Atlanta and shit, Trotter got ejected before the game even started because we had like we cleared the sidelines. And I was like, I wasn't even dressed. Um, I saw everybody clearing the sidelines. I had like my warm up on the sidelines and I'm like, holy shit, what's going on? And everyone's like, come on. And I was just like, walking out there but staying like you know behind everybody <laughs> but i was like man the nfl is crazy you know our first game i ever said to we had a, a i think it was because ike was on the other team oh yeah you think ike started it well him and him and trot were like ike was at midfield like john you know to donovan mm-hmm. or whatever and trot was just like not gonna have that yeah but <laughs> what, what was your favorite team obviously you have 08 you go to the nc championship game but was there was there any team maybe the michael vick team I mean, each year has its like moments. Six and ten wasn't fun at all. I mean, you know, the expectations that I had that I feel like everybody else had, the injuries we went through that year. I think we had like we could have had two starting two two starting like offense and defense in our on our IR. You know, um, man, it was a lot of fun playing with Mike. Um, you know, games like uh, Miracle at the Meadowlands, like that's just something that's hard to forget. Dude, him just unleashing it on Monday Night Football to Deshaun Jackson. Washington. Dude, were you guys just like – like the guy just got out of prison like less than 18 months ago, and he's throwing 50, 60-yard bombs. Right. Like did the they get like a medicine ball in there to work with or something? <laughs> like that – like you listening – you you having to block and just being like, this is going to be amazing this year. If I if someone gets around me, well, at least we've got Mike Vick's legs, and if I do my job, he can just throw it to Deshaun Jackson. Just exactly. go take it. Go and get exactly. it. Throw it up, let him run under it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. Um I don't think any certain season sticks out to me as like favorites. It's more of like games, you know, just memorable games. Um, the Snow Bowl was also a big, okay. big game. It was a lot of fun to play in. Well, for a reason for that, I mean, I don't really get super nervous about playing against guys, but I knew that it was going to be like wet. It was supposed to be wet that day. And I was like, oh, I gotta play Sue in this wet ass grass. He's going to be all over me. Like, you know, <laughs> I remember coming out pregame and seeing snow starting to come down. And I was like, okay, I'll take yeah. that. And then like, I went back in the locker room, got dressed, came back out and like it had just dumped and there's like, they're clearing the field off. And I'm like, this is great. This is great. All his skills going to get thrown out the window today. And all I have to do is just kind of cover him up and um, shit. We ran the ball a lot that day. Shady went off. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun. Um, Can you put into perspective like that, that shady game because it just feels inhumane that someone could who was a shifty he's a very cut left cut right kind of running back and he was doing that in like six inches of snow no idea how he did it um that was yeah that was just very impressive and the funny thing is going into that game i think in our game plan we had a whole bunch of like quick bubble screens like to the wide receivers in the game plan and we were just gonna oh, we're not even going to let Sue be a factor. And uh, I remember, I think it was in our first 15, one of those bubble screens, maybe the first or second play or something. And I don't even think we completed it because you couldn't even see out to the hash. You know, it was like, 
Yeah. Like, dude, this game plan sucks. How are we going to run these bubble screens? You can't even see the sideline. And uh, and then they just like picked maybe two plays, and we just started running the shit out of the ball. And like you said, I don't know how he was able to not slip and fall all over the place that day, but yeah, Shady seemed like not his first time playing in a, a foot of snow, you know? Yeah. It seems like um, this offense that the Eagles run would be – fun to play in for an offensive lineman you know they have a lot of zone read rpo kind of kind of some college concepts that they build off of i thought you probably got the beginning of that when you were at the beginning of the chip kelly era right so i guess you you block some of that kind of stuff but i'm number one i'm curious is is that something you would if you would enjoy playing on this eagles team and just what you kind of think of um of how they approach it and how um you know jalen hurts plays yeah i mean I would love to, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stars on this team. One of the things I really love about like watching this team is the whole fourth, fourth and short thing. You know, the QB sneak. Oh, let's just sneak it. Let's so you're just, a double cheek push guy. Let's just sneak. I love it. Absolutely. Just get I, a big wad and just push forward. I know you're like, you're just ingrained to be an animal because you're an offensive lineman. So like, you're already kind of a crazy person. And if you if you do sign up to be that position, but I just feel like you guys like just putting your head down and running into another person would be something you'd never want to do. But I guess I stand corrected. Well, I mean, I think that the satisfaction that you would get or that that we would get from getting the first down in those scenarios, you know, would kind of trump. Dude, there's nothing worse than going out there having them call some stupid pass play when you got fourth and one and you've been kind of dominating them, pushing them around and stuff like that. And they're like, no, you know, let's run a, let's run a little like three-step drop and see if we just get the first down right here. And then all of a sudden, you you know, incomplete pass. And you're like, bro, what are we doing? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a huge double – what you call it? Double-cheek push? Double-cheek push. Yeah, the double – I'm a huge proponent of that. But also the thing that I love about that is like that's Kelsey because – that's not Sirianni's idea. That's Kelsey, like actually going up to the coach and being like, this is the most efficient play in football. Why don't we run it every time we get the opportunity? It's going to, in the long run, out of how many times we have to run it, you're going to complete it 80% of the time. Um, And just the fact that Sirianni listened to him, I think that that's, that's awesome. And that shows the dynamic that Sirianni has with the vets on the team and stuff like that, which I think would be very cool to play with somebody like that. Um, Andy would listen to certain suggestions and stuff, but he was such a football brain. Um, he probably would listen to Kelsey mention something like that, but not so much me. Um, high Wonderlick score and all. Um, it's true. <laughs> That's what you should, coach, have you seen my Wonderlick score? Chip, not really going to listen to the player input. Um, yeah. Chip pretty much. <laughs> I don't think it's going to not surprising to hear. Yeah, that's, um, I'm not surprised. And I don't have any bad blood against Chip. I actually, I actually really enjoyed playing for Chip, and you know, I would have enjoyed playing another year for Chip had he not cut me. But hey, what, you, what did you? Real quick, Todd, did you? Um, there were some people who were tra- who like argued last year that the cheek push, the rugby scrum thing, that, that like were arguing that they should ban it. Yeah. Because- I don't, I don't know. But what was the gist, Kyle? Like saying that it wasn't like a football. Well, I think was that because they were using manpower to actually push the quarterback forward. That's what they said. That's what the, they got the Arizona game and it was not pushing a guy forward. But remember when uh, Goddard took Hertz and literally dragged him yeah, into, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, into the end zone. That's technically yeah. illegal. And they missed that. But there's nothing illegal behind pushing the guy. Really what it was was like it's not a football play. It's not creative. It basically wasn't sexy enough. And that's why they should ban it. Was, I think Peter King said that. Yeah. I mean, that's, a dumb, King. That, that's a dumb statement. Yeah. Football's not sexy. Yeah. Well, it's like when you can, and of course, when you can't stop something too, the argument is just to get to get rid of it. Right. I mean, yeah, so, see, I always thought that the, like, you have to cross, you can't, I thought, I always thought the rule was you can't cross the goal line under somebody else's power or something like that. But I guess maybe the, the pole. I think that was the former be, rule. It, the, yeah, that was the rule that they changed. Back because when I played. Yeah. But now it's funny too. I don't know. I, I just think it would be hard to be an offensive lineman in, in, in some cases, like especially like, you know, when the RPO was becoming popular and um, Pat Fitzgerald came out and he called it like communist or something like that because he was talking about the downfield blocking rules. Like you guys can't go more right. than a yard downfield. But I just, um, 
No, I don't know. I just, I just love it. I love, you know, how, how popular Lane Johnson is here and, and Jordan Mailata and, and, and Jason Kelsey. And I, you know, I do want to ask, um, you know, cause, because I guess the big topic along the offensive line this year is that Cam Jurgens is going to go play right guard. I mean, you played tackle and guard. You didn't play centered at all at any point, did you? Uh, just in practice. <laughs> yeah. So do you for, do you foresee any like issue with him going from center to the guard at all? No, actually from what I've heard, he's, He's doing really well at guard and he's like strong as an ox, you know, which always helps in tight spaces. But um, no, I think that the only thing there that you would think about is, you know, if Kelsey does something happens, you know, where he's not able to be in there, maybe he needs to take a break or something like that. Are you shuffling two people or are you plugging one in? You know what I mean? Cause I know that, uh, Cam was the idea is the heir apparent to be center, right? I mean, I think that's the idea is he takes Kelsey's spot eventually. Um, it was a hand pick. Yeah, he was a hand pick successor, you know? So right. not only did they st- – I've, I've not, and this is the craziest thing. This is probably the biggest testament to Jason Kelsey's career ever. Have you ever heard of anybody fucking drafting and stashing a center? No. no. Okay, well, the, Eagles, I mean, the last few years of Kelsey's career have been kind of like out of this world to me, yeah, but yeah. I think it's great, you know? Yeah. Um I don't know if I'm going to play another year. You know what? They convinced me to do it again. <laughs> how, how much has he got left in him? Kelsey? Yeah. Dude, so I, I ask him this almost every time I see him. Um, and he's just like, oh, you know, I don't know. By the end of the last year, they were taking care of me. He's like, I felt great. Because I saw Kelsey, man, I think it might have been like week three last year. And he was like, moving slow, like, uh, sore, you know, old man soreness type stuff. And uh, then I started seeing him around, like, you know, week 12, 13, 14, and he was, like, a whole different vigor about him. And I'm like, dude, like, aren't you, how do you feel? And he's like, dude, actually, they've been taking care of me. I, I feel great, you know. They work with me really well. Uh, you know, but Kelsey's not the type of guy that – He'd be like, I don't want you to practice today. And then he's just going to go like dick around in the back. Like he's literally being another coach, you know, he's a coach when he's on the field, but even if he was not taking snaps, he'd still be there. Like, no, 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 that's not how you run that. You got to look over here and then switch that off like this and stuff. So um, there's certain players that you can, you can give time off, let their body heal, especially the older you get, it's not healing as quickly and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's so much more team friendly or player friendly now than it used to be too. I mean, like, you know, these walkthroughs and you big people barely hitting in training camp. You don't have to schlep up the Lehigh anymore. I mean, like that's yeah, gotta be another game, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll bargain for it. You know I mean? It's like, what was, what was Andy's Andy's was like, what, two a days for like, yeah, so I got there right after they were doing like two full pad practices a day. Um, and that seems today. That seems insane it's barbaric that might be yeah, exactly um when i got there it was like you're doing padded practice in the morning like a three hour heavy hitting practice in the morning and then like in training camp it was the first three days i think there, there was a three-day stretch where you guys were just banging and then once you got through that they were able to like figure it out and dial back a little bit but it was always one full practice in the morning and then in the afternoon you would rotate between a full team 10 10 10 which is like i don't know you're still tired and sweaty and and in the offensive line and defensive line there's not much of a difference between having pads on and not having pads on except you just can't do inside run um but then the other day there would be a special teams practice which you know only special teamers had to come to or juan would tell you to come if you were like a young lineman so that he could run you through drills for two hours uh, that's fun. I like Juan. Actually, you know what? This 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 interview is actually making me kind of like Juan more because like the the whole draft day, the whole draft day uh, story is great. And then like you know, him and Andy just try to go outside the box, make a defensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, if Why it not? worked, if it worked, yeah, right? Dude, if it worked, that would have been one of the most genius moves like in the NFL. If if Marcus Smith would have worked, if Jalen Rager would have worked, Howie, smartest guy in the room. Like that that yeah. it's just that's how it goes. You know, you, you win, know you win some. You win some, you lose some, you know, I, um, Todd, I got a kind of random question here. I, so Sean Bradley, um, Eagles linebacker, special team, he's out for the year injured. He spent part of his Labor Day weekend arguing with fans on Twitter. Um, it's all a little bit about that, right? 
I, I just yeah. it's funny to me because I don't I mean you like social media was not really there at the beginning of your career but it was todd was todd was a lot of fun on social media back he he was he was but i don't i think like see that's why i want to ask him because he saw the the beginning of it and the end of it and like now you see like these players get on there and they're like yelling back and forth at fans and there's like um i don't know some useless toxic shit going on i don't know it's nice to have a conduit to the it's a little different than the than it is back then but i'm just wondering what you make of like kind of how all the like, like how that whole vibe is now compared to when you started. Well, I feel like the interaction with the fans has always kind of happened, like in Bradley's case, right? He's hurt. He's in the training room now. Oh, what do you do when you're laying in the training room getting treatment? You're on your phone. Like that's when I got in trouble on Twitter uh, was I just had foot surgery and just laying in the training room, like, you know, <laughs> tweeting away. You know, Hey, just watch this last night. Yeah, some things I didn't like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, that's, you just have to know, like picking a battle with a, with a faceless online character is unless you're super, super witty. And there's a couple people that I think like Evan Mathis can battle people online pretty well. Um, (laughs) me, I'll usually end up, I would, I would go down the road a little bit and then I'd end up putting my foot in my mouth somehow. And then I'd be like, "Ah, I'm not very good at this, you know? Um, But yeah, it's just, there's not a lot of people that can do it, but it seems like a lot of people try. And yeah, but it's harder too. I mean, cause these guys didn't like, you know, when you guys were out there at the beginning of your career, the fans could boo or whatever. People would say things about you in the media, the, the columnists would write something, but I mean like fans now have this direct conduit and then media too, to, that jump in your direct messages and like say shit and like Todd, I, I cornered you in Jetro and asked about Namdi Asawa eating lunch in his car. Like <laughs> you couldn't do that 15 years ago. You could have. You just wouldn't have the the platform. I'd be yell, I'd be yelling over the bushes of the Nova right, right. Coast, like asking you that. Yeah. Right. Um yeah, I think it's it's different though. You know, it's a tool now. These guys are probably coming out of college nowadays making money off of their off of their mm-hmm. you know social media platforms and stuff so it's a it's a whole other animal that nil man nil yeah, yeah, not changing it. With it. you know i wish yeah. there were more streams of revenue when i played like that you know mm-hmm. um what, what's the saginaw valley state nil deals looking like nowadays like <laughs> man, I don't bmw know. Of saginaw mm, i think it may be like free box of ticonderoga or something like that yeah. you know? <laughs> I don't know if they're doing BMWs, but yeah. <laughs> Go get yours. All right, yeah. Mitsubishi of, of Saginaw. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Nissan of Saginaw. Yeah. Do you do you give a shit about conference realignment? I think because you're a D2 player, I think you kind of, if you did give a shit, you'd have a kind of an no, interesting... No, I never role. really give a shit about Division One A football. Um, yeah. When they turn their back on me, I kind of turn my back on them. So Smart. Like, eh, okay. You guys, I don't get in the hype. Everybody... When I'm talking to people and they're like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Michigan. They're like, ooh, I'm from Ohio. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I'm like, I don't care. It is funny when, who does it? Is Ohio State the ones who do it? They cross off every M on campus or something like that before the game. When you look at that, it's kind of just hilarious to think like you go through your day and being like, I can't see these M's. I just can't see them (laughs) go the week of, of, uh, of Ohio State versus Michigan. Right. Well, you know, there are great things about like college rivalries and, and shit like mm-hmm. that that are very history and stuff like that. I just, I guess I'm just bitter. I didn't get to take part in it. So screw yeah. that. Well, Kyle didn't either because he went to Temple. So, you know, <laughs> well, you got some decent years. I mean, you got like the, yeah, you got the Penn State win, I guess, right? Yeah. One of our teams is 1 0 right now. All right. I just want <laughs> yeah. you to know that. It's not us. One of our teams won now. All right. You've been generous, generous with your time, Todd. We appreciate it. We can't let you go without bringing this video up. And I believe this is you. Oh, no. Um, it happened this summer. It was down at the OD. Oh, boy. And it was you guys. Are oh, you talking about the flip cup? The flip cup. Brother, did not, they not play flip cup at Saginaw Valley? Oh, we played. Craig, Craig can we go full screen on this? I am just out of practice. We. <laughs> Oh. I was also a little drunk at that point, I think. Which, I don't know. There's no excuse for this performance. <laughs> There's no excuse. This is this was embarrassing. Goddard even just tried to cheat for me. He I did try to cheat for you, but you know what? 
Yeah. That's good for you for for letting it go. But it's funny when you lose to a bunch of guys for that that talk on radio for a living. When it's like these hulking <laughs> Super Bowl talented athletes, you know, a guy who played twelve years in in the NFL and Joe Giglio. Yeah, I my fault right there, guys. I, I take the responsibility. Jason told me it was okay. <laughs> That's so, the leader in him. Yeah, I think there's a middle finger from Goddard in one of those videos too. Like a. Yeah, freeze frames on there, but that's a great, uh, that's a great, that's a great charity. Though. That's a great thing that goes down over there. It's, Dude, it's so it fun. is wild over there. Isn't this it? is my first year oh, yeah. over to it, and I would, I wasn't even planned to be over there. I just kind of showed up, and they were mm-hmm. like, "You want to play?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Love flip cup. Not yeah. anything at it, but I love it. <laughs> are you, uh, are you still in the area? Are you still doing stuff with your mental health? Uh, not mental health. Um, cannabis advocacy uh, group. Uh, I kind of backed off about that a little bit. I was, you know, obviously I'm still a fan. I think that there's a place for it. Um, like anything else, I think it can get abused, you know. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, the side effects that you get from that versus, you know, prescribing a bunch of painkillers and stuff, I think there's a place for it to be used. I'm glad to see the NFL lighten up on it. Um mm-hmm. You know, it could have saved me some time and stress if they had lightened up about it when I played. But um, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. uh, uh, it's it's insane to listen to former NFL players talk about what they had to do to get ready for a game. Um, they won't even let you do half the shit anymore, or you have yeah. to sign a waiver if you <laughs> if you're willing to do it. Um, but you know, that's just like with anything. Um, there's always going to be new studies coming out showing like longevity and, you know, it's affecting you different ways and stuff like that. But, uh, and then if you think about that too, guys in the NFL are playing at a high level and always trying to find an edge somewhere. So like guys in the NFL aren't scared to experiment with supplements or, or anything like that, you know, um, which is good to see that, people are paying a little more attention to the health and wellness of that type of stuff, you know, because I think none of that stuff really bothers you while you're playing, but we'll catch up to you later down the road. Yeah, definitely. No definitely. Well, Hey man, we appreciate it. How, uh, what do you got the birds going this year? Do you have to say 17 and 0 so they continue to bring you back for ambassador programs and all this stuff? Well, yeah. I mean, I, it's really unlikely to go, uh, you know, I, I try not to get caught up on the hype train. I was once, I was once a, a, a passenger on a hype train. Uh, if you guys yeah. remember the dream team, um, <laughs> I do. we were going to win them all that year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then we didn't. So um, now they got a good squad, you know, their, their schedule looks a little tougher this year. Uh, but each year is just different. You know, it's hard to, to predict based off of last season and stuff, but to be honest, the way it looks like they just reloaded. I mean, they got more weapons, you know, they didn't really lose any, any monsters up front. Actually, they brought four back that, or they have four coming back that people thought might've been gone um, with, you know, Kelsey and Fletch and, and BG and stuff. And I think that just keeping that, that group together to be leaders out there and stuff is, is irreplaceable. So uh, I'll give you a number. I say we got 13 wins. Wow. I go 13 wins. All right. Jalen Hurts would probably be in the MVP conversation again then if they get 13 wins. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I drank the Kool-Aid on, on, on Hurts. I think he's phenomenal. Um, I don't see how there's really – I just don't understand the hate that he receives from people. And then, like, all this comparison with him and Dak and stuff. Like, that's just yeah, – yeah, he has a lot of weapons around him, but that's not his fault, bro. Wouldn't you want to be on a team with a bunch of weapons? Thank you. Like, Thank you. When I people don't say that, all they're doing is tipping their hat – to Howie, which <laughs> nobody wants to do unless they're talking shit about hurt. So I don't get that, you know. Well, like, I never, I never understood any of that either. They talk about like putting together the super teams in the NBA, but no matter what you do in in life, if we're doing a YouTube show or putting together a cannabis company or something, like yeah, I'd want to pick who I work with, right? I, and you want to be, you want to be fucking good. <laughs> <I wanna speak. laughs> yeah, like you're like, I built this Fortune 500 company with the shittiest employees of all time. <laughs> I'm the man. Everyone else sucks. Look or, at me. We're like, you me. know what? We're gonna win the Super Bowl this year, but we're gonna do it with this guy because he's not that good. Yeah, yeah. Just to prove a point. Yeah. yeah. 
just to prove a point, we're gonna do we're gonna win with shitty players this time. Right. <laughs> All right, one more, one more. When Vince said dream team, did you guys not care and we just blew it out of proportion? Or did you guys get to the locker room and be like, probably should have tucked that one in the back pocket? No, nah, I mean it was it was just kind of funny. Um it just became like one of those things where whenever something didn't go our way or like, you know, something shitty happened, we would just kind of look at each other and be like, dream team, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, so the guys would joke about it in the locker room? Yeah, it became a little bit of a joke. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, Todd. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime. We'll see you in Jetro. See you in Jetro. All right, buddy. I'll have, I'll have some questions queued up for you. <laughs> Oh, that was Todd Herman. So, oh, man. <clears throat> Real right. dude. Yeah. You got anything else? Um, Do you want to really. talk about Neil Brown? Do you want to say why he should be fired? <laughs> this, is not, this is not your brother's uh, West Virginia? I have, two resp- I have two reactions to the college football slate. Um, actually, three. Clemson is cooked. They're done. Yeah. They're done. Um, Coach Prime uh, and the Buffs. Only getting two and a half points at home to Nebraska next week. Is there something going on there that I don't see? Because are are the are the odds makers just saying the TCU's defense was so shitty? They've got NFL caliber players on that team, so I don't know how it was a shitty defense. And I'll, I love Matt Rule. Yeah, Nebraska might not be the answer right now. No, and look, I mean TCU's defense is not that great, but I mean Colorado is like like those guys showed stones to keep scoring and keep answering the way they did on the road against a top 25 team, man. I, I'm all about it. I love it for college football, too. I don't know what the fuck Dion was talking about in his post game, where he was like yelling at some reporter um, about them not believing in him or something. But, I mean, that they, he's, he's got a ton of talent on that team. Especially no defensive school. line, though. That's the only problem. They have no defensive line, no push up front. That's what's going to no. happen. Would that just be what the books see with this Nebraska thing? Because, you know, Matt Rule's got a bunch of them corn-fed boys mm-hmm. you know, up there. I mean, maybe yeah. they just kind of control the clock and pound it. But the I got quarterback's in. good when he doesn't have to throw the ball, the Nebraska guy. so I got in on two and a half. I was like, I'll, I'll do it unless I'm an idiot here. And my observations from West Virginia and Penn State um, – I mean, it played out exactly how I thought it was going to play out, right? I mean, like we hung with them for a little bit. Penn State kind of sucked a little. They missed a couple field goals, and then we don't. Our coach stinks, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, defense played tough, and they hung in there. But Penn State, I mean, Drew Aller's pretty good. Uh, he, he he makes awesome. Yeah, he he does. I, I I like what he does. Kind of, it's not even like I don't even know if I call it like extending plays, but just like you know, flush from the pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, a um, couple steps, hit somebody on his try. I don't know how many times he, like, kind of went out to the right and then threw back across his body and, like, nailed some guys. But they – um, he he looks the part, man. I mean, our defense is is okay. I mean, it's not – it's not – we're not, um, you know, the 85 Chicago Bears. But I thought – if I was a Penn State fan, I would be – you know, you get, find a kicker and then you're happy with what you got. I mean, their defense is legit, so – Go get Jolie Julius, that big, that big ass ninety nine kicker they had a couple years ago. I wonder if he's got any more eligibility. But yeah, Drew Aller is amazing. I mean, he's Drew everything Aller, that yeah. like Christian Hackenberg should have been. I know Hackenberg was more of a pocket passer, but like yeah. he's basically like strong arm, can get out of the pocket, step up in the pocket. I was so impressed by him. I was not impressed by West Virginia, except for the ring around the rosy play. Love the ring around the rosy play. Ran it twice, right? Fucking terrible. I mean, like we're down three scores. What are, you doing? what are you doing this this for? Here's the thing, too. Like Drew Drew Aller, you know, I think the first touchdown that they scored was like Max Protect. There was only two routes going out. He steps up in the pocket and he throws a dart like on like moving, not stepping in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the thing, because a lot of quarterbacks, like before they figured out, they panic and they go backwards and they go laterally. Right. He takes two steps up in the pocket. He's still moving and he throws a. Mm-hmm. There was a, a deep strike there. And like we had a, we, we were down 14 7. I think we had like a fourth down or something where we threw a sweetest missed on a slant. So it's like those are you playing Penn State on the road, man. I mean, those are the kinds of things that you can't screw up if you want to make it a game, you know? So, but it's an improvement because our quarterback can run. The last three quarterbacks we've had can't throw or run. So I feel like we're, we've, you know, we're improving in that, in that regard, but uh, extended Neil Brown way to go out and get that quarterback there, coach. Not a, not a great time for our university the football team stinks and they're cutting like, like $45 million of uh, the university's budget. So we're kind of like, we're kind of the, uh, the horse's ass for, a, for, a well, bit, you know? I, I think the one and no temple house could step up if they need another big 12 member. Yeah. Big come from behind a second half shutout. And the crowd was loving it. They, they don't ask how. They ask how many in the AAC. And we want to know. 
That's right. We're you, we're trying to go one and zero this week. Yep, we're going to cover against Rutgers, and you know what? We might as well be two and zero. I tweeted that out on the account on the. Oh, I know you did. Account. Yeah, it was like twenty four to ten at halftime, and I took my kid up to knock a mix, and I was just checking the score just in case. I'm like, these motherfuckers are going to pull it off. I'm going to have to clip another thing here and do an update. So mm-hmm. I was pushing my kid in the stroller and tweeting the updated uh, Temple win. Yep, in front of all nine hundred fans, Paper it's going to be good. Yeah. So, yep. all right. Hey, listen. Thanks for all coming on today. Can't believe Penn State's going to actually be good this year. Pray for your bartenders. Uh, We will talk to you on Thursday.